Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. The theme for September is a glorious mess. I don't know if anyone else has ever found themselves in a mess that didn't quite feel very glorious. Anyone? Oh, just me. Anyone? And so this is life. This theme is actually real life, the glorious mess, because um, no one actually ever promised anybody lollipops and rainbows all the way through. I'm sorry if someone did. That's not reality. Life happens. Even as a Jesus follower, even as someone who walks with Jesus and loves Jesus, life happens. We live in a fallen world. The difference is when you're in Christ that he makes our mess glorious and that he can turn everything around. Nothing is a waste in him. He works all things together for our good. Amen. Have I got any friends in the room? I want you to talk back to me this morning. And so God, in, you know, when we're in him, when he's not just an appendage or an accessory, that no matter what we go through, no matter what seasons come upon us, everything makes sense in the end. And we have this hindsight where we can see the fingerprint of God all the way through every season. And like um, Mark was saying, in communion, we come into a place of trust, which we'll get to at the end of the service this morning. And so I want to speak to us about that mess and about what we can find ourselves in. Maybe you're thinking back to situations in your life that felt like that. Maybe you're right in the middle of that right now. Or maybe, unbeknownst to you, there's one on your doorstep. And so we all go through seasons and we have to understand the God of the seasons. And that we're not just attaching him to our lives, we're fully immersed in him. And I often see myself when it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ. Uh, when it talks about being in him, I, can, I, I see myself, at, do you know those big Zorb balls, those massive transparent balls that you can climb into and roll around in? So not the ones that you see out on the field. Have you seen the, um, the Zorb ball football where like your arms and legs are hanging out and you're running around? Not that but the Zorball where you're completely immersed inside it and you're rolling around inside it. That's what we're like when we're completely immersed in Christ and, um, and we're in him. When we're in him, everything seems to fall into place. Everything comes into a place of blessing. Everything eventually comes into a place of he works all things together for good. And so this morning I want to talk about doing life in the midst of a glorious mess. How does the mess become glorious. And I want to speak this morning out of the life of Ruth in the Old Testament. And Ruth and Naomi were a, was a daughter-in-law and mother-in-law, Ruth being the daughter-in-law, Naomi being the mother-in-law. And they found themselves in a mess situation. They were living in a land that was um, governed by ungodly people. They were living in a land that uh, worshipped in idolatry. And so it wasn't God's people that they were living a part of, even though Naomi was once. She moved to this place with her husband and had two sons. Her two sons then married uh, women. And, and Naomi finds herself as a widow. Ruth is a widow. And Orpah, the other sister-in-law, is a widow. All of a sudden, they lose. all three of them lose their husbands and they're childless. 
And in the day that they lived in, this was the most unfortunate of all situations. They had no social security. They had no prospects. They had absolutely no future. They find themselves in the worst possible scenario. They find themselves in a mess. And they don't, there's no why, there's no explanation. And what I love about this story, part of one of the things I love about it is that God doesn't take any time to explain why. God doesn't actually take any time and they don't even ask. Many of us get caught up in the why and sometimes there are no answers to that question. But what they do, what Naomi and Ruth do is they make a series of decisions to get them into their next season, to get them through the mess and into the next season. And so I want to talk this morning, the title of my message is Living Beyond Emotion. Because when we're in the middle of a mess, our emotions want to scream at us, and they do. And our emotions get on this free ride, the free ride of insecurity and intimidation and fear and inadequacy, don't they? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Our emotions just hitchhike along the way and and want to determine our decisions. But in order to move through the mess and for the mess to be glorious, we have to live beyond our emotion. And there are many times we have to make decisions in those hard times that will serve us as we journey through. As we journey through, just last week I had the opportunity to share with our creative team and, and Jared asked me a question, you know, in the hard times, when you worship, how do you do that? How do you worship in the hard times? And my answer was, I just choose to. Sometimes it's a choice. And the reason I choose to is because my alternative really sucks. What's your alternative? Your alternative is really bad. So just choose the right response. Just be sober-minded about it and choose the right thing. And so this morning... How do we live beyond our emotions in the midst of our mess? Ultimately, I'm asking, how do I live God's best in the midst of a challenge? How do I live the best in the midst of a challenge? And our anchor scripture this morning is one that I refer to over and over. It's one of my life verses. In Ezekiel 20 verse 9, the Message Bible says, Then I thought better of it. I acted out of who I was and not how I felt. I acted in a way that would evoke honor and not blasphemy. Do you know the way that you act can either evoke blasphemy in the people around you who get discouraged and downhearted watching you, or it can evoke honor as people watch you, determined by how you choose to act, whether you act out of who you are, who God says you are, what God says about you, what God says about your future, what God says about his intentions, whether you act out of that or how you feel. And so this scripture, sometimes we just have to choose to act out of who we are and not how we feel. And often in the middle of the mess is when we have to make that choice. So the first thing out of the, the story of Ruth that we have to decide, that we have to draw a line in the sand for, is we have to decide that there is no turning back. In the middle of a mess, we have to decide there is no turning back. And so we see these three women in chapter 1 of Ruth, starting in verse 8, I think. If we could put that on the screen, I want to read it together. Naomi, the mother-in-law, 
said to her two daughters-in-law, Go and return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we'll return with you to your people. But Naomi said, No, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they will be your future husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, and should I have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and she went back to her father's house. But Ruth clung to her and she said, look, Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more so, if anything but death comes between you and me. Ruth made this decision that I'm only moving forward. I'm not moving backwards. I'm not going to go back. Now, I want to tell you, it made no sense for her to follow Naomi. Naomi had nothing to offer her. It made more sense for her to go back back to her father's house and to try to start again. But Ruth decided, no, I'm going to keep moving forward. I want to tell you, God is only ever moving forward. He does not move backwards. He is a forward motion God and he wants you to be moving forward. The temptation in hardship is to go back to what we know. The temptation in a mess is to go back to what's familiar and what's easy and we have to decide, no, as hard as this is, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep moving forward. I will not go back. Forward motion only. Some of the saddest words in the Bible, I believe, are found in the book of Numbers in the 14th chapter where all of Israel is in the wilderness and they've just come out of slavery. And the God is apparently taking them to their promised land, but they're walking around a desert, and it's hard. And in chapter 14 of Numbers, 1.5 million people decide, and they make this statement, let's find a leader who'll take us back to Egypt. Let's take us, find a leader who'll take us back to slavery and captivity and all those things because it's familiar. And many of us find ourselves in that place where you can choose to go back to once held you bound because moving forward is uncertain and it's unclear and it's hard and so sometimes we're tempted to go back to what's familiar all of Israel was saying I preferred bondage and chains because at least I knew it was coming crazy but this is how we can live our lives you have to very soberly and deliberately say no I'm going to keep moving forward I want to keep moving forward. You know, moving backwards, I understand it. I get it. Because going back means you can go to security. You can go to comfort, 
predictability, but you also go to complacency and mediocrity and substandard. And moving forward, I want to tell you and encourage you this morning, is completely uncertain, completely obscure, often isolated, often lonely, and you look like a crazy person. Just want to encourage you this morning that that's what moving forward often looks like. It makes more sense to go back. And it made sense for Ruth to go back to her father's house where there might have been a future. There was no future with Naomi. But Ruth said, no, no, I'm only moving forward. I'm only moving forward. Naomi, where you go, I go. Where you go, I go. I remember when we were moving here, where we were in that place of hearing the call to become location pastors here. And it meant changing everything about our lives. And so when we were driving around this area, before any of you even met us and even knew any of this was in the, in the works, I remember driving around this area, you know, trying to get a heart for it, trying to understand where we might live, where we might put the kids in school. And, and the school for me was a big deal. And I remember interviewing principals and schools and, and one after the other and eventually got so disheartened that I couldn't find a school that I wanted to plant my kids in because I'm one of those people that I don't want to be successful in ministry and lose my children. And so I remember driving down this road, this building, and I remember weeping and saying to Sam, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I can do this. And he said to me, well, which option requires faith? In that moment and moments like that, I realize why God puts people together. That we have a responsibility every now and again just to subtly or not so subtly slap each other in the spirit. And he said, which one requires faith? Staying put requires zero faith. Moving forward requires faith. And moving into the promise of God when it's uncertain, and it always is, when it's undefined, and it always is, guess what? That requires faith. And we are called people of security, complacency, mediocrity, average, boring. No, we're called people of faith. So which one requires faith? I want to tell you, moving forward requires faith. Requires faith. And so we have to make a decision in the midst of our mess that I'm only going to move forward. When the temptation comes to retreat because I'm afraid, because I'm hurt, because I'm discouraged, because I'm confused, when the temptation comes to go back to familiarity, I'm going to resist it and keep moving forward. Which one requires faith? When your past calls, don't answer. It has nothing new to tell you. Keep moving forward. No turning back. The second thing we need to soberly decide is who our company is going to be. Choose your company really well. I mean, you have to choose your company well when things are going great, but you have to choose your company well when things are not going great. We have to choose our company. And and Ruth defines her company so emphatically in verse 16. If we can put that back on the screen. She says, "But, but Ruth said, I won't leave you or turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. We have to choose our company. 
And so I want to give you a few criteria for what sort of company you should choose. Okay, in Proverbs, it tells us in Proverbs 6, verse 16 to 19, God gives us a list of things to avoid, the types of people not to choose as your company. Let's read it together. It says this, These six things the Lord hates, yes, even seven are an abomination to him. The proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. And so God gives us a list of things we should avoid in our friends when we're choosing our friends. If I can put this in plain English, these verses. The first thing is someone who is prideful. Anyone who looks down their nose at someone else is not someone to choose as a close friend. You can associate with people, but they're not your companions. They're not your companions for moving you into your destiny. The second thing is someone who is dishonest. Anyone who would exaggerate, tell white lies, maybe fail to include some details. I want to tell you that omission is still deception. Anyone who's dishonest, anyone who's mean, a mean-spirited person, someone who's aggressive or violent or, or is happy to exploit someone else for personal gain. I often, like in, in Proverbs, it tells us that we should watch how people treat animals and children because it tells us about the condition of someone's heart. I love to see people interact with children, whether they're dismissive or whether they get down on the child's level and engages with them and encourages them. It tells us about the condition of someone's heart. God doesn't like mean-spirited people. It's not who he is. And uh, people who look out for trouble. So it says someone quickly running into trouble. So anyone who cuts corners is looking for trouble. Anyone who justifies poor behavior. Anyone who is in a lifestyle of compromise. When you're not living to a standard of excellence, you're looking for trouble. You're happy to invite trouble into your life. Um, Gossip and slander. Avoid people who are gossipers and slanderers. I want to tell you, if your friends are telling you about everybody else, I can almost guarantee you they're telling everybody else about you. God hates gossip. Proverbs says that gossip stops with a wise person. You absorb it, it stops. You want friends like that. Um, Someone who's divisive. The people around you, are they polarizers or unifiers? Are they bridge builders or bomb throwers? associate with people who unify and so avoid those types of people when you're choosing your company and so then the thing is well who am I supposed to associate with well in Galatians 5 it gives us a very comprehensive list of who we should associate with people who have love joy peace long-suffering which means someone who's in it for the long haul kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against these things there is no law Imagine having a friendship group full of people who looked like that. Companions who looked like that. I want to flip this and say, please make sure you're one of these people. Please make sure when people are choosing friends, you meet this criteria. And often I'm praying because none of us are perfect. And that other list, that first list, is the fruit of the flesh. And so I'm constantly saying, God, inspect my heart and renew a right spirit in me. And this is the right spirit. Love, joy, peace, all these things, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Be that person. Be that person. And I want to say also on this choosing your company, 
is stay loyal. What we see in Ruth's life is once she had chosen her company, she was loyal, so loyal. We live in a generation that is not loyal. And there's a mantra that I've lived by for many years now that says there's something wrong with your character if opportunity controls your loyalty. This generation is sickly opportunistic, only looking after themselves, climbing ladders everywhere they can go. But we need to be loyal. We need to be loyal. We need to understand that God does great things when we're planted and committed and connected. And as a leader, I've had countless people use me as a ladder to get somewhere, and it's exhausting, and it's draining, and there's nothing I can do about that. But there are a handful of people who've said, where you go, I go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Let's do this together. Let's be in this together. That loyalty, you know, in a generation where, you know, we used to work 30 years in a job and get a gold watch. Now we're like every two years recycling positions, but we also recycle spiritual leaders. We recycle godly friendships. And there's something very dangerous about uprooting yourself all the time. In the natural, if you buy a pot plant from Bunnings, okay, and you repot it every few weeks or every year or so, eventually it's going to stunt the root system and that little plant is going to stop growing. And so it's the same with us. We actually need to be planted and committed and loyal. We actually have to understand that God does great things when our root system goes down deep and we draw from and contribute to the environment that we're a part of. Be loyal. Be committed. Be in this for the long haul. Choose your company. Choose your company. Number three, if you're going to live beyond your emotion, if you're going to make the most of this season, you need to make the most of right now. You need to do the best with what you have right now. In chapter 2, verse 2, Ruth says this, and before we read it, they find themselves in Naomi's homeland. And it's quite ironic, you know, Naomi actually did turn back. She went back to her people. The only time you can turn back is when it's turning back to God. All right? So she turned back from an ungodly nation back into a godly nation. It's the only time you can turn back when you're turning back to God. And so they find themselves in Naomi's homeland and they've got nothing. They've got no property. They've got no home. They've got no income. They've got no prospects. They literally have nothing. And they lived in an agricultural age. So it's a farming community. And they, they come into this city and, and Ruth is like, well, the only thing to do is the most humiliating thing to do. And there's a farm right there and they're harvesting grain. And so I actually... The best I can do right now is to go in at the end of every day to the fields and pick up what's left over, what the farmhands, as they collected, what they dropped on the ground as they were going through the fields. It was called gleaning. And so she says these words to her mother-in-law. She says, so Ruth said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. And so she goes into the field and she's gleaning at the end of the day, just picking up what's left over, hoping that there's enough to sell or live off, hoping that she can just start with somewhere. And it was a humiliating job. It was humiliating and she did it. She asked permission to do it and got freedom to do it. This is the thing, is that we need to do the best with whatever's in front of us. 
live fully in your season. No matter how good or bad it is, live fully in your season. And don't shirk responsibility. Don't move away. Be fully committed to right now. Be all in. I often say plumb the depths of your season, which means every season has something for you to get out of it. Within every season is everything you need for that season. And so be committed to it. Give your whole self to it. Do your best work now, not tomorrow. Do your best work now. Don't wait until the kids are older or you've got more money. Do your best work now. Live your best life now and be diligent doing it every single day in every single season. Be diligent. Reminds me of the story just recently. We're running out the door and I said to Judah, he's eight, have you brushed your teeth? Yes. Today? Oh, no, not today. Smart, right? I just thought, I ask him if he's brushed his teeth every day, and every day he says yes. This time I'm going to, hang on, no, have you brushed his te- your teeth today? Oh, no, not today. So this is how we need to be, is we need to actually be diligent every day, all right? Just because you brushed your teeth last week, okay? But this is how we live our lives, is every single day diligent, every single day giving ourselves to what we should be giving ourselves to. And the beautiful thing is this, is that as she's doing it, as she's going through the field, she has no idea what's happening in the background. The owner of the field is a man named Boaz. She has no idea that this guy is probably one of the only people in the whole city who can legally redeem her and her mother-in-law. Coincidence, right? I want to tell you there's no coincidence in God. Absolutely none. And she goes in and does the humiliating thing. And he sees her. And he starts asking, who's that girl? And so he finds out who she is. And he's like, well, I have a connection to that family. I can maybe do something about that. She has no idea this is happening. So he says to the security guards, he says, just look out for her at the end of the day when she's gleaning in the dark. Make sure no one comes in and beats her or rapes her. Just look out for her. The goodness of God, right? Standing in the background, protection. We don't even know he's doing it. We're doing the hard thing, tears, grief, loss. We're just doing all we know how to do, and he's there offering protection. And as time goes on, then he says to his farmhands, leave out extra grain. Leave out extra grain so that when she goes through, she can collect more. We have no idea that our Boaz, our Redeemer, is in the background offering protection and provision. We're just doing the humiliating, heartbreaking thing, wondering what this season is all about, and he's not even going to tell us why. We just have to make some choices to live beyond our emotions. And in the midst of it, God is doing a great thing. In the midst of it, he's like, please just do the right thing as I open Boaz's field for you, please just do the right thing so that I can open more doors for you. But too many of us are going, well, what's in my hand is so insignificant and I just want that big flashy thing and God's going, I can't give you the flashy thing until you do the little thing. I have the flashy thing for you. 
but you're discrediting this thing. Please just do this so I can continue to open doors. She had no idea. Eventually, this man becomes her husband. She has a son. He's one of the wealthiest men men in the city. She has a son to this man. And that son is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now just rewind to the day she lost everything. And let's just walk through the decisions she had to make to get her into that story. And I see so many Jesus followers who bow out and throw the towel in. And I'm like, if you just make the right choices, if you just live beyond your emotion right now, what God has for you would blow you away. And the story he wants you to be a part of, she was a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Phenomenal. And I guarantee you she would not be if she hadn't made those decisions. I guarantee you she had gone back to her dad. I guarantee you she hadn't gleaned in the field. She wouldn't have been in that story. You need to live beyond our emotions. We need to not turn back. We need to choose our company. We need to make the most of right now. And the final thing is we need to be in a place of trust. You know, hindsight's an amazing thing, isn't it? Just right in the middle of things, it's awful, right? Right in the middle, you're like, why, God, why? And he's not answering. He's like, see that small thing, just just do that. But when we can look back and trust, when we can fall into our bed at night and go, you know what, I don't understand. It doesn't look great. I don't love this right now, God. This is really hard, but I trust you but I trust you. We have to be in a place of trust. He's a good God. He's a really good God. He's faithful. Jeremiah tells us, I have plans for you to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope, plans that are good and not evil. That is his intention for every single one, and we need to be in a place of trust no matter what the circumstances look like. We need to be in a place of trust that he is our vindicator, our judge, our redeemer. He is the author of our destiny, that he's written the beginning and the end, and we're right in the middle. We need to trust him. We need to borrow testimonies from other people. If you did it for them, you can do it for me, God. I trust that you're good. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter what your circumstance looks like, he's a good God. He's a good father and he wants to bring you through. You need to come into a place where like, God, you have never failed. You're not going to start now. I trust you no matter what it looks like. I trust you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.